Hi, my name is Nick Thompson and I run holisticvet.co.uk. We're based near Bath in England. I'm Dr. Brendan Clark. I'm based at Towerwood Vets in West Yorkshire. And my name's Dr. Connor Brady, the non-vet of the gang from dogsbirth.ie. And together we are Raw Pet Medics. <laughs> So, um, look, guys, we are raw pet medics. We're missing one. There's only two of us tonight. And tonight is um, uh, FAQs. So questions that come into our various places. One place is patreon.com forward slash raw pet medics. You can post your questions there. And we do try to get back to those questions as they come up anyway. But as they mount up, we queue them for um, the end of each month. And so that's where we get most of the questions from. And we're also going to pull a couple of doozies from the Facebook page that popped up over the last two or three days. And we got one or two direct into me as well. We're going to call up as well. So if we can get to five or six, Brian is going to be fielding all the veterinary questions alone, but he's well able. So um, so look, look, I've got one here, Brian. This is a serious case, okay? So it's actually a client that I was talking to, um, and this dog was um, a, a bloke case, uh, and, and GDV had the actual flip. So this, you know, bloke with torsion. So bloat is where your dog kind of fills up with gas. And, you know, uh, often relieves it with a belch or a fart. And it can be quite noticeable. So it's not just your dog's farting. That's not blood. It's, you will see it in your dog. You'll notice it. It's a gassy issue and they build up. And it's particularly alarming for deep-chested dogs because this bloat can, uh, for some reason in some dogs, it can fill up their stomach. And uh, when it fills up their stomach, this gas, like a balloon from the inside, and a little twist can appear at the, the top and the bottom, Bren, or just on one, one end. But... Top um, and bottom. It, yeah, top so and it becomes bottom. a closed sack. A closed sack of air that keeps and uh and it's not it's, air. It's, no, no, well, no, not air. Okay, fair enough. Carbon dioxide, <laughs> I suppose, if you want to be particular. Same thing. Yeah. No? Is fermentation. Yeah, so it's fermentation. Yeah, fermentation. So what we find is that it is the gases that have been sampled from those sacks are not equivalent uh levels of gases of nitrogen and um oxygen. Yeah and carbon dioxide that you would associate with normal air. They are actually levels of sometimes methane, hydrogen, um, you've got carbon dioxide, um, and no, no significant levels of nitrogen, et cetera, in there. It is fermentation gas. So the stuff that up, you would... Up from the intestines. Yeah, so, any, so the bacteria have got hold, usually of high starch material, and are causing that fermentation process um uh to expand gas into the stomach yeah we used to think bloat was caused by um you know air aerophagia air coming into the mouth so we'd high feed stations they used to be associated with bloat well that's because great danes suffer an awful lot of bloat and they have high feed stations but that's a correlation and not a causation and so we're not really thinking about the air coming in and exercise doesn't seem to be playing an issue in it anyway either a lot more of the cases, over 80% of them happen after an hour, well after. And the reason that error is so important is, and particularly in this question that we have coming up, uh, is because the food then eventually hits the intestines after 40 minutes, 50 minutes, an hour. And once it hits the intestines, you grow this, this wrong bacterial group and they get to farting and producing uh, um, bacterial ferment gases. And that travels up in some of these dogs. And then they're not quite sure why that flip happens, what the spark is. They're not, is, is it the ligament that holds the stomach? 
to the liver. Uh, is it whatever is in this dog, but it can flip and it can call. It's, it's enormously dangerous, very painful, and, and often, uh, often fatal in, in a lot of breeds, particularly some breeds are just a shockingly high death rate from it very quickly. Uh, sorry, sorry. The question is it's, it's the fact that it cuts off the blood supply too. So when it twists, the blood okay. supply that comes from top and bottom, okay, to feed the stomach lining, as soon as you are twisting that, okay, then and then the gas expands. Not only have you got a twist in those vessels, but as the gas expands, it then closes down on that twist. So it actually obstructs the blood vessel and blood wow. flow to Bloody the stomach. Hell. So you end up with a stomach that suddenly becomes not just hypoxic, but it just dies. And then effectively, it can wow. rupture much very easily. So, yeah, super so, horrid to happen. You need to yeah. get it treated super quick. Um, Decompress you know, de them. So your vet may even stick a large needle into the stomach through the, to, through the abdominal wall just to deflate them to try and allow perfusion back whilst they sort out the rest of untwisting it and you know sometimes operating. If they can get a tube down the throat, that's great. They will put that into the stomach and get gases out. Um, that can give them a vital um, uh, you know, time to, to get the operation done. Yeah, like, you know, when the dog's got blood, it's kind of like, Violet Beauregard and uh, Willy Wonka, where they have to squish her, you know, to get all the juice out of the blueberry. Do you remember that? It's not quite the way it is. No, is that a bad analogy? So this <laughs> is so this. this okay. uh, yeah, please don't listen to me. I'm not a vet. Mm. Uh, but because here's here's the question. Okay, so um, this this couple were on, and we've actually done a whole night on bloke guys. If you think we're just dancing over the issue, we've already covered this topic a lot. But that was mm. just a rehab. Yeah. Um, so this person had the operation as a Weimar runner. Uh, auto uh, to a great name but uh, anyway had the had the issue and after he's had the flip it's so terrifying you'll never sleep another night's sleep if you experience that with your dog and you can actually staple the 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 um, stomach to the liver friend is it hepatic no you staple it to the abdominal wall, abdominal wall. Okay, so right. you're basically once you've untwisted it you can so you can create um, various sleeves to actually uh, fasten that through the muscle of the stomach wall, okay? You can suture it, you can staple it. There's various options. But yeah. once it's untwisted, you stick it to the stomach wall so that it can't flip again. Yeah, okay. And so they had this, and but... So the, the dogs now, they realise that, you know, they're trying to avoid some of the things that cause this. A lot of the papers, two or three papers, point their fingers at kibble, at high starch, high soluble fibre diets, uh, things that feed the wrong bacteria down the gut. So you want something that the food that the bacteria want to eat and you don't grow the wrong bacteria. We believe raw dog food is going to be the answer and don't go mad on the veggies and don't be piling in carbs. So a basic, normal raw dog food diet, it's not, for, for most cases, believe me, that is the solution. For this particular case, this dog keeps on bloating. No matter what we feed, we've gone extremely plain. We've tried, say, raw lamb, complete raw dog foods. We've tried cooked versions of that, a cooked lamb version, a cooked beef version. We have been through it and they've been very diligent. I was like, no, at 45 minutes, 50 minutes, once that food hits the gut, he swells like a, like a cartoon and it's, it's reliable on the clock. Then he belches and farts it all the way and then it builds up again and then he'll let it go again and that, that, that will be that. And it's like, how is this happening on every food? We've tried probiotics. So, like, so not instant? Not instant. An okay. hour after eating food. 45 minutes, an hour on the button. And it was like, here it comes, and he starts to fill up. And they said, like, we can't not be around for two hours after feeding the dog every single meal. He's on two meals a day. Where do you go now? What, what, what can possibly be done? Like, what am I missing here? 
Okay, so a um, couple of things. One, check the microbiome. So if there's a way of getting to pet biome, animal biome, there's a couple of options. It's worth just checking some poop samples, checking what's going on. I presume he's been firm and he's not had diarrhea, but you know it's worth just checking. Those are good. Uh, yeah. There's a few methanobacterium, okay, that can cause some problems with normal gut function. It is possible that we have an issue with the pylorus, that's the exit from the stomach. Um, and that can be if there's either sympathetic excess because of inflammatory process, or there is an interference with the vagus nerve from the operation. So it's really hard, but the innovation to the gut comes down the vagus nerve, the parasympathetic nerve from the brainstem, okay, nerve 10. That helps with normal gut function. It's a two-way street, but it's really important with normal gut motility and getting things moving in the right direction. And if there's some damage because of the original twist that's happened, okay, we've talked about how necrotic that tissue can become, or indeed from uh, the surgery, from where they've had to staple, you know, and, and cut, and they may have had to reset some area of the stomach, etc. Those are things to consider that there may be interruption to parasympathetic structure um, going through. Okay, so normal propulsion needs to be checked. So they can do that by um, visualizing through x-rays how quickly the stomach empties. Okay, a test at home may be to simply liquefy the food and see actually if the food goes through without that level of gas um, and it's flowing very quickly then it may be that it's just going straight into the small intestine. There's very little stuff that needs to happen in the mm -hmm. stomach. Um, you can even make a raw soup, okay, um, with your raw food. Um, just reduce any solid bone material. Obviously, after that, it would just have to go in as ground bone um, in some of the pre-mates, etc. Just add water, see if it goes through, get it out the other end. Um, you can do a TLI B12 folate, which will give you an idea of level of wall inflammation and bacterial yeah. overgrowth. Sorry for stopping you there, Brent, yep. but Julia and Tristan, Tristan. are, are, are <laughs> Julia and uh, Tristan are both on here. Okay. So that's, that saves me having to hide up anyway who they are. They're the owners of the dog. And Tristan says um, uh, he has a he's solid stool. Yeah, we knew that. Yeah. Full full biopsy of his intestinal wall. Uh, and he clearly has a lot of inflammation found on the biopsies. Yeah. So uh, honestly, obviously, I can't go into specifics because against yeah. Royal College guidelines, I'm giving you yeah. a general thing of what to expect for, you know, dogs which suddenly continue to bloat massively afterwards. And there's certain other investigations that can do. Obviously, we would be very specific and individualized the information and care for um, Otto's uh, particular case if we were in front of him and doing all of these other things but general things to talk about to uh, the vets that you're with is looking at bacterial types you know using things like a trantal can be really useful to reduce some of those fermenting bacteria you know for sure it's fermenting bacteria if you're trantal finding that he's actually um, positively aerophagic as well um, may even, and this is one of the reasons for looking at how well he's emptying his esophagus, how well he's emptying his stomach, is looking at, is he having problems with that parasympathetic okay, nerve? And that could mean that because of what's happening in the esophagus, he's actually swallowing air. In this case, it's moved back to that 
um, consideration, is he aerophagic as well? But when you're saying it's happening about an hour after eating, still I'm convinced it's fermentation. Some bacterial checks yeah. need to be done. We need to consider how we would reduce fermentation. You've talked about making sure that you're reducing some of the starches and um, sort of prebiotics. Um, and this is really, really useful for people out there that have gone, okay, I understand my dog has an issue uh, with dysbiosis um, and I've tried all of these prebiotics and probiotics and they get worse, okay? That is an indicator to you that there is a bacterial overgrowth and you will need to use something like a trantil first, clear the way to reduce things, okay? Now your conventional vet may say, we're gonna use a six-week course of antibiotic. You know, that's your choice if you go conventional. Um, but ultimately, then you have to be really strong with your good probiotics and prebiotics after that, so you don't get the over-fermentation problem now, going on. Julia says, just a total span on the works, sometimes it happens four or five hours after it's food. Sound, Julia, thanks. That makes it even more complicated. <laughs> just to confuse me? Just, you're, what, you're yeah. throwing me curveballs in now? Guys, <laughs> I, I think a very, a very immediate, cheap option is going to be try a trantal. I mean, when you go to the website, it says you're broke. It's bloating relief it's what we do i mean give a trantal a go that's horse chestnut kind of product isn't it a trantal isn't that what that's yeah it's a, it's a it's it's one of the heartwoods uh, of um a uh, south american tree alongside um which is ground up alongside um chestnut i think there's peppermint in there and um uh what's the other one that come, will come to me anyway yeah but, penny uh, yeah, penny of Penny Vandermeer says um, uh, that uh, a chiropractor visit with her dog uh, has sorted out the dog's gut. The L6 is not related to gut one. Is L6 has pancreatitis as well? And so, um, and then what about acupuncture, Brent? So they're saying if this is a vagal nerve thing, can you affect these things from the outside with pins? So what you need to be aware of is that some of the back issues that we get interrupt the parasympathetic because of the overdrive of sympathetic um, innovation, okay? So if you've got any inflammation, stimulation, entrapment of nerve, then you can get sympathetic overdrive, and that will actually interfere with your normal parasympathetic uh, things. It's the same as uh, people and dogs that get super stressed, you know, having an issue with their normal gut motility. You know, the, the sympathetic is all about stopping normal function and getting you ready for... Uh, you know uh, the attack or the um, uh, to run you know the so all of that side of things so you know we need to decrease some of the sympathetic drivers in those situations and then uh, review uh, how we do that so that's why acupuncture has all sorts of other things you know it doesn't necessarily mean it needs to be specific points down the back that relate to the gut um, it can uh, in that sense it can be other areas so it might be large intestine sort of meridian coming up uh, through that we might be using it might be small intestine meridian running up the outside of the arm that they're using and stimulating it could be stomach meridian down the shin that they're using Bloody there's all hell. sorts of other remote areas that we may look at okay yeah. so uh, there's other things good to have a, a consultation with an acupuncturist okay uh, who can go through specifics for your pet as to what's happening with their heat, damp, all of those aspects too, because that can have an effect. Yeah, sounds good. Uh, Brian, do you want to move on? Do you want to do uh, another question? What else is on your list? 
Yeah, so we've got the Patreon uh, one. Uh, we've got da -da -da -da, liver disease. Um, oh, this is from a vet nurse. Okay, so yeah, um, has a uh, ten kilo Frenchie with epilepsy. Um, he's on a few drugs. So phenobarbitone, zanisamide. Uh, zanisamide is the one that I told people about. It's linked to the um, sulfonamide drugs. So you've got to be aware of autoimmune disease. Okay, it's an antibiotic, normally sulfonamide drugs. Um, it's one of the ones that can overstimulate your um, immune system and cause some autoimmune disease. So be careful with that one. Uh, Levacetiracetum. I felt easy for me today. Um, uh, her last two blood tests uh, showing raised uh, um, uh which is going to be raised pretty much if you've got any inflammatory issue going on okay so we've got to be aware it's not just liver um low albumin however um and total protein suggests that the liver is not managing to produce the protein or we're losing excess protein out in the gut or kidneys um uh, and it looks like low calcium as well so we need to just double check your nutrients going in are appropriate okay uh, give her epitor supplements, uh, plus she's fed um, picnic. Um, so I would hope that it's cookable raw. I would hope they've got their mix right, but you can give them a ring and double check. They've got the nutritionals for you, um, for you specifically. Um, Poppy's picnic should be pretty good at picking up the phone. So uh, give them a call and double check your nutritionals. Um, she won't eat raw, pure raw. So it's got to be cooked or lightly cooked. Um, wanted information on natural liver support that uh, we mentioned in the webinar. So there's a few things that you can use um, that are available from your own vet. Okay, so uh, the Vet Pro and NutriVet range um, have products which have some Boswellia and Cardius Marianus, which is milk thistle in them. Um, you can also get denomarin and a few other uh, milk thistle derivatives, okay, uh, which are, you know are available through every single veterinary wholesaler. So you know you can ask your vet about those um, uh, pretty much around the world now. You know it is renowned for being great for liver support. Now there are some other options uh, out there from a complementary point of view that we can give uh, chelidonium. Cardus Marianus, um, Taraxicum mixes. Okay, so these are things, again, speak to your holistic vet about options that are specific to your case um, in this uh, particular thing. Uh, but yeah, we need to rule out, are we losing protein through the urine? So that urine test needs to be done. We need to rule out, because um, 800 isn't massive, okay, in the grand scheme of things for alkaline phosphatase. Um, and uh, I would say that, yeah, check your nutritionals going in. Make sure your protein levels are appropriate. Um, just check that there's no, nothing else going on um, in the gut that may be upsetting things as well. Um, you can get a liver function test. So rather than just reliant on those three aspects, is actually take them in, get some bloods done for just the liver enzymes, feed them. And an hour later, take the bloods again, they get sent off and we can look at the function of the liver too. Okay, so that's yeah. worth looking at. You All do right. dip tests of the week. 
and you just have those kids at home and does that cost you much or do you have to go to the vets for that or uh, for the for the urine um yeah. you can well you can do dip tests. They're not as accurate as some of the actual protein-creatinine uh, ratios that they would do. So basically, if the urine dilutes, there's some ratios that you need to look at to actually get specific levels of microalbumin and protein within the urine. So, I mean, certainly if you do a dip test and protein level comes up really high on the dip test, then I would definitely say you're a high candidate to go and get the other things. By the time you've yeah. bought 100 strips, it probably is just as cheap to go and get that test done yeah. by your local okay. vet. Um, so Fiona Murray is always on here, and uh, related to livers, uh, she just said that uh, any experience of seeing high ALT uh, with all other bloods within normal range, no symptoms at all, otherwise healthy, young, raw-fed dog, three years, no conventional meds, only puppy shots, it's ticking all the boxes. And yet ALT is up. That's not the first time I've heard that, actually. Why would I, ALT not. be up? So, right, okay, just this is something that I've come across reasonably commonly. Um, and it's so we need to know specifics about that ALT, okay? We create a range <clears throat> for our blood results, excuse me. We call this a bell-shaped curve. So this any population usually fits within a bell-shaped curve, okay? So it's the one that goes like that, okay? And what that means is that underneath that curve is the entirety of any population in normal distribution, okay? So you expect there's going to be those at the bottom end, those at the top end, and you know, everything in between. But the average, okay, the peak of the bell, okay, is going to be where the majority of the population is. So what do they do? They, in order to try and hone in the parameters of your blood test, all the population, they chop off the top 10% and the bottom 10%, which gives yeah. you the middle 8% of any population. That fits within the curve. The majority, so 80% of the population are going to be in there. So they use that parameters. That bell-shaped curve moves dependent on breed, dependent on um, other Age, elements, diet, diet yeah, all yeah. of those things. So that curve can move around. So what we sometimes find is that if we do our bloods in early age, it can be really useful as a reference point for your dog. Okay, well, so doing cool, a yeah. wellness profile can be really useful for your dog whilst they're healthy. Because then if we redo them when they're sick and that particular blood parameter has moved significantly, then we know that that is significant for your dog. So what we might end up with is a dog that moves from the lower end of normal population to the upper end of normal population. And if the vet isn't on it, they won't see that as being out of the normal range. OK, so we need to say, right, what we need to look at is that trend for the ALT. Has it gone up? If it's just over the normal range, i.e. it's within 50 points or so of the normal range that may still be in the normal distribution for your dog it may have been one of those outliers that was at the top end of the population yeah so if your dog is perfectly healthy and it falls in that top end of that range just outside my advice is to monitor so 
Give all of the liver support by all means if you wish, but take another sample two weeks time. Don't get super anxious about going in for biopsies and everything else. If it's yeah. outside of that and or when you've retaken it, it's getting um, much worse. Scan, check that there's no little lumps or bumps. There's no areas of infection that have got in there because ALT is associated with the cell wall of the liver cells. And often if there's any disruption to those cell walls, the ALT will go up. Okay, unlike the alkaline phosphatase, which goes up at the blink of an eye, um, which is not necessarily associated with the cell there's a, disturbance. There's a, there's a look, just having a glance at a couple of little forums here. But uh, high ALT readings in, in raw fed dogs now and again, it's popping up as a, as a question here. And somebody was saying, oh, toxins, it can be high in toxins, is what their veterinary nutritionist told them. And so raw fed, of course, you know, that's where you're going to get all your toxins <laughs> from, isn't it? Fresh food. But, you know, it is worth thinking that, like, you know, it, it's so often uh, circulating to your liver, you know, when you consider what it does. It's so often uh, something that you may be putting in, except that I know Fiona and that her, I know that dog is on one very natural lifestyle. It is worth thinking, well, maybe you would simplify the diet greatly, cut out any sort of treats that come from, uh, no offense to pet stores, but you need to know what it is. So you'd say, okay, guys, just do two or three weeks on lamb, two or three weeks on, you know, duck. Two separate diets. So when you do the ALT readings, you can at least, if you did two different readings, I have no idea what the cost of this is. But you might say, okay, well, it'll be interesting to see. And also different suppliers. You might just vary it around because you want to lop off the low-hanging fruit and say, okay, maybe I'll stop feeding intensively reared poultry for the moment and try grass-fed beef or wild grass-fed lamb. And at least then you're, you're removing any sort of concern that non-organic poultry might be an issue, yeah. which is And look, if amazing. you're doing all of this and the direction is in the wrong direction, i.e. you're getting a worsening, as I said, when you're monitoring that, that's where the advice changes to please scan them. Check their gallbladders, okay? That you've got normal gallbladder emptying, uh, that you've not got a um, biliary mucosal forming, which is where you get really thick, sludgy um, mucus being produced by the outside of the gallbladder, um, almost as a protection from the uh, strong chemicals within the bile. Um, and if that becomes excessive, it almost gums up the works and stops normal bile being able to eject from uh, the liver and you'll disturb the liver okay now there's also other you know if you've got an infection there where you've got a small abscess has formed within the liver if you've got a lot of worms migrating from the gut they go through the liver before they then go through the diaphragm into the lungs out into the airways coughed up swallowed and then back in so there are other reasons like parasites that we need to also consider so you've got to double check is there any evidence of parasites um within their stools i'm sure knowing fiona she's thought of all of this but yeah. i'm saying for the general people out there just so that you're aware of the different things that could be going That's on good. to yeah. cause that liver disturbance but scan 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 check if you've got enzymes going in the wrong direction, absolutely get an ultrasound scan done by somebody who is proficient at ultrasound, okay? Yeah. Not just at, um, yeah. you know, uh, just the, the local vet who's maybe using it for pregnancies, etc. Um, there are some great vets out there. Ask your vet, are they really good at ultrasound? You know, what's the quality of their machine? 
And don't forget about a second opinion. You know, vets are as good as they are. Some people have a penchant for skin. Some people have a penchant for guts. Some are dry. Some are raw. There's nothing wrong with a second opinion. Uh, I know some vets do, like uh, Judy Morgan. Uh, Judy Morgan, you can send your blood work if you had questionable blood work that you just wanted a second opinion on. You can go and get a second opinion from the likes of Dr. Judy Morgan. And it's cool. That was a very cost-effective way of just putting your mind at ease. And if she says, oh, listen, I'm, I would agree that that's what I would feel just looking at the blood work. It's not an in-depth look of what's going on in the background. It's like, this is what I feel or when I'm looking at the blood work. So that's a pretty cool service. And it's it's quite cheap, guys. Um, we have a number of other questions, Brian. You said that uh, the, one of the questions, we won't move to Patreon tonight because you're going to put something up on Patreon tonight about uh, blood readings. Raw-fed dogs have slightly different blood readings. Uh, and I think most of us know this. We've, we've alluded to this a number of times. But the question was, can we move them from American units to UK units? Did you say you were going to prepare something like that and pop it up on Patreon? Yeah, so, uh, so it's really interesting. And thanks for all of the guys that are joining us from the States. But um, kindly, Gene Dodds has sorted out some raw-fed parameters. And most of the units that are published on there <coughs> are in the US units. So the ones that the vets over in the US like to use. OK, um, now, strangely enough, uh, you know, they still talk about miles and inches and feet and everything like just like we do in the UK. Um, <clears throat> but for some reason, we followed the rest of Europe when it comes to laboratory tests and the units that we use, um, often in millimoles per liter and things like that. And that is the bit that is difficult for some people when they're looking at lab results in the UK and Europe to what's being said in the US and converting that. So there is a conversion that you can do. And so I think what we'll probably do is produce a little table of normals from Dean Dodd's work into the European standards so that you've got a reference ranges there. Okay. Guys, if you listen on the podcast and you're listening on Apple Podcasts, I just noticed we've only got five or six reviews. Please, if you're listening to us on podcast, give us a review. Stop what you're doing immediately and give us a review. But uh, give us our reviews. So please give us the give us a five star at least. I think we deserve that. Um, and so thanks for joining us again. You'll find us on patreon.com forward slash raw pet medics. Price for a cup of tea or coffee. It really helps us do this. Uh, we love doing this. Uh, yeah. Any recommendations you want, guys? You can always pop them into Patreon. We're always listening. So um, you know. Yeah. Thanks for being here tonight. It was great. Cheers, Bram. You feel a lot, of, a lot of that, those questions. Appreciate it. Great. No problem. Take care, guys. Cheers. Cheers.